I, I love this time of year, and I love the gift giving. I like the um, just the joy of Christmas. And today we want to talk about the gifts that Jesus brought. Uh, we, we've been in a, a message series, a rather simple series, over the last few weeks that, that went this way. He came, he stayed, and he gave. He, he, he didn't just have a, a flyby. I, I like what I heard a friend say this week. That was an amazing quotation that was very convicting. You can fake caring, but you can't fake showing up. I like that. You can act like there's somebody and you really care about them, but the moment they're going to know you really care is when you show up. And here's the good news about our God, is He showed up. He didn't just send us a message He cared, He came. And He didn't just come for a photo op, He stayed. And while He is here, He gave some amazing gifts. Now I know as soon as we begin to talk about gifts, we all go right to the cross and and, and I, I'm with you there. And, and we think about the gift of salvation. And that's an amazing gift that God gives us. But this morning, what I want you to see is Jesus gave more gifts than just salvation. Because sometimes I'm afraid we have this attitude, okay? I, I, I know I'm saved. And I know when Jesus comes back, I'm going to go to heaven. But right now, what are you giving me? Well, well, honestly, the, the, the way I see so many of us as Christians is we could sum up the Christian life in this line. You've heard it before. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's the whole Christian life. My friends, here's what I want to tell you this morning. There's a lot more to it than that. Because if we're not careful, we think, you know what? I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm saved. But right now my life is a bum deal. It's a bore. I can't do the things other people do because God told me not to do it. And so what I've got to have to do is I've just got to endure this time until I can get to heaven. Now listen, I believe the scriptures teach there is life after death. But I also believe the scriptures teach there is life before death. Amen? And that's what we're talking about today. What has he given you to give you life right now? Now, what I'm going to talk about this morning is what I call the departing gifts of Jesus. These are the gifts he gave out at the end of his life. It's a, it's a great southern tradition among many people that if you go visit their home, they give you a gift before you leave. My, my grandmother on the bell side's name was Granny Grace. Isn't that a great name for grandmother? And uh, anytime you went to Granny Grace's house, you always got a gift before you left. It might be a, a jar of jelly or preserves or a box of chocolate-covered cherries this time of year. But you never walked out of her house after you visit without some kind of gift. You've experienced that. And some of us understand the closer we get to the end, the more we start giving some gifts. We start saying this child or this grandchild is going to have this jewelry. And this piece of furniture has been in the family a long time. I want you to have that. And Jesus had that spirit. Before he left, he wanted to tell his disciples some things he wanted for them right there. And we're going to unwrap those this morning. The, the first present we're going to unwrap is this present. And uh, this is a, a gift I know many of us need today. I need. And I'm going to represent this gift with this painting. It's a, it's a beautiful beach scene. How many of you love to be on the beach late in the evening or early in the morning. This is a picture we actually received when we left Pensacola. And I love that scene because it represents to me so much peace. But you stand there with the waves coming at your feet. You see the beauty of nature. 
You're overwhelmed with the enormity of God and how small you are, and yet somehow that brings you peace. And I love that scene. And Jesus said, I want to give you peace. Listen to what he says in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace, pay attention to that, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now here's what sticks out to me in that passage. Jesus says, I want to give you my peace. Now, Jesus, time out. I don't see a lot of peace in your life. I mean, think about it. At his birth, Herod comes after to kill all the babies in, in Nazareth, two years and younger, Bethlehem. Later, they flee to Egypt. When he starts his ministry, there's all these rumors that he's an illegitimate child. He's criticized from the beginning. He's hounded. Death hovers over him, and he dies. And Jesus, you want to tell me that you want to give me that kind of peace? You want me to have your peace? Yes. Why? Because Jesus' peace is so much better than our peace. He says, my peace is different than the world's peace. The world says, you can have peace when everything goes your way. Jesus says, you don't have to have things go your way for you to receive peace. I read years ago about a, a, a painting contest. And they'd gone through all these rounds, and they're down to the final round. And they would tell them what to paint. They had to paint it rather quickly, and then they would show it. And so the final challenge was to win was draw a picture of peace. And they came back, the finalists. And there were these beautiful pictures like I've shown you today and beautiful mountain ranges. But there was one picture that was so different. It was a picture of a field and a big tree in the middle. And the sky was dark and there was lightning and it was obviously an incredible storm. And the limbs of the tree were swaying to the side with the wind of the storm. But right in the middle of the tree was a bird's nest and a bird, I don't know how you draw this, with the perfect picture of peace on its face. And when the judges looked at all the paintings, that one won. Because what it said was, true peace is peace in the midst of the storm. Guys, if we only can have peace when everything is our way, we're not going to have consistent peace. And that's why Jesus says, I'm not giving you peace like the world gives you. I'm going to give you something so much better. Now, guys, let's understand this. We need it this week, don't we? A recent survey says 67% of Americans are stressed out this week. Think about all the gift giving and wrapping and buying and cooking and traveling. 67%. A full 41% of Americans say if they had a choice, they'd do away with Christmas because it stresses them out too much. Isn't that sad? Now, we've tried to help you here at church. If you go to the men's restroom, has anybody noticed the soap in there? It says stress relief. It does. It really does. And I, the curiosity got me this week, so I walked into the, the, the women's restroom. Sorry, Charlene. I walked in the women's restroom. No, she wasn't there. I walked in the women's restroom, and you know what their, 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 their soap says? Energy. I figured the reason we need stress relief soap is because our women have got too much energy during Christmas, and they're stressing us out. You, you see that? Hey, guys, here's the idea. As Jesus says, you know what? 
I'm not telling you I can take all the bad things away from your life. I had a bunch of bad stuff. But I am telling you, I can give you a gift of peace. Now let's go to our, our, our next gift. And let me unwrap this one. And I, I, I really like this one. It's especially very appropriate in our family recently. Um, I have wrapped up baby sport. He's so cute. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I, I, I do have a baby. But can, can you think of anything in life that brings you more joy than the birth of a baby? I mean, you just think. Uh, let me say this. I get to visit a lot of hospitals, but no matter how ugly the baby, we're all happy. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we, we all get so happy because there, there's something so beautiful and fresh about a little child. And you look on the parent's face, the grandparent's face, and everybody's rejoicing. And God wants you to have that kind of joy. Now, maybe this morning, you can't really relate to my baby. So let me show you this video. It's an, another picture of joy that I think you're going to really appreciate. Yeah, I think it's a dog. It said, you've been waiting for this for a long time. Yeah. It's a dog. Yeah. It's a dog. Is that a great picture? Yeah, we, yeah, what, what, what is your name, young man? Ethan Caps. Ethan Caps. You guys know Ethan? Let's mark this down. Ethan Caps is on stage and Ethan Caps is being still. It's amazing. <laughs> this guy always uses the energy soap. Now, Ethan, tell me, what did you name this beautiful puppy? Lucy. And, and why Lucy? Because we've been waiting for it for a very long time. A very, very long time, haven't you? First service, I thought he said we've been praying for her for a very long time. But they've been waiting. What was it like when you unwrapped that box? It was like God just gave us a blessing. Amen. Would you guys give a, give a hand for my buddy? Thank you. Thank you, Lucy. Ah. That was awesome. And don't you love that sense of joy? Now, let's, let's look at our passage of this departing gift from Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 11. He says, I've told you this so that you may, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus said, I want you to have the full deal. And the full deal comes from me. It's my joy. Now, I think sometimes we have a a bad picture of Jesus because we don't picture him with a lot of joy. We know the Bible says he's a man of sorrows. And so most movies have him so somber. But guys, if, if, if you'll read the New Testament and not read it so flat, you'll find out that Jesus had an incredible amount of joy. Some of the things he says are so funny if you picture them. Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Can't you just picture this little needle and this big fat camel and somebody trying to push it through the needle? Or or that picture Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount where he said, you know, if if you're trying to judge other people and be critical of them and you reach over to get the speck of their eye, would you please, sir, look at yourself because you've got a two-by-four coming out of your eye. And I always picture the guy reaching over, you know, to get the speck out and the two-by-four coming in his eye and hitting the guy. It's just a crazy scene. And you see just a, a sense of childlike joy in Jesus. I love when he sent the disciples out, and we call the, 
the limited commission and they've done some miracles and cast out demons and they come back all excited to tell Jesus and Jesus says to them, yeah, dudes, while you were out, I saw Satan falling from the heavens like lightning. Yes, you did it. And then sometimes Jesus is, is so very playful, like, like the time they needed to pay taxes. He says, Peter, go fishing. And when you catch this fish, there'll be the four drachma we need for our taxes. I mean, you've got to see the joy of Christ. And Jesus says, I want you to have my joy. I want you to have whole joy. You see, the difference in Jesus' joy and his peace is it's not dependent dependent on circumstances. You know, here's our problem is, 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 is we are after happiness. And the problem with happiness is that happiness is based on happenings. When everything is going my way and everything's lined up. And Jesus says, again, I've got something so much better for you. Oh, it's not going to be heaven on earth here, but you can have a sense of joy that permeates every part of your life. How many of you need that gift this morning? You come even here in the Christmas season and there's a lack of peace and a lack of joy and Here's what I'm saying. Don't go after the world's idea of it because it will be very, very fleeting. You might have a few moments. Go after Jesus' idea and you can have it permanently. Now, let's unwrap our, our, our third gift real quickly. And I, I, I like this, this one. It's rather small, but it's, it's going to make the point I want to make. And it is, it is simply a, a laser pointer. All right, you can see it up here on the wall. You say, what, what? What would that represent for us this morning, buddy? What's the laser printer representing? The laser, the laser, not printer, the laser pointer, it represents Jesus' purpose. Jesus came to this earth with, a, with his mind laser-like on his purpose. There was so much he could have done, so many places he could have gone. But Jesus says, here's what I've come to do, Luke 19, verse 10. I've come to seek and save that which is lost. And then before he leaves as a departing gift, John 20, verse 21, he says to us, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I came here on a mission. I'm leaving. I want you to go on the mission. Matthew 28, he gets a little bit more detailed. He says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I'm with you to the very end of the world. Jesus says this mission, uh, the word there for sent is the word for missionary. I have been sent. You are being sent. I want to give you a sense of absolute laser-like purpose in your life. Now, let me address this for a moment. I think the curse of our day is a lack of purpose in our life. We have more money and more things and more free times, and more gadgets, and more technology. All nice. But many of us are miserable. Why? Because beneath that, there is no purpose bigger than getting the next gadget. And so it, it steals our peace. There's an incredible power when your life has a laser-like purpose. You see, what I love about this life is, is here's our purpose. Our purpose is to put the focus on Jesus. You see, it's not to come to us, but I, I've got a purpose in my life. Is everywhere I go, I want to live in such a way that points people to the Lord and brings glory to Him. 
Now, I, I saw a quotation this week. I don't know if you read the paper, but Joe Klein was in Montgomery this week. He's a pretty famous writer. He writes for Time Magazine. And over the last year, he has written a book. It's called A True Story of the Heroes Who Brought Their Mission Home. And the book's about soldiers who fought in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. And what happens when they come home? So he embedded himself in their lives to see what was going on. Here's the quotation from the advertiser this week. He said this, I learned a couple of things as an embedded journalist. I learned about PTSD and depression. Post-traumatic stress disorder is not just about what they saw or what they did. Catch that. It's about the fact that they lost something. They were part of something bigger than themselves. They had community. They had purpose. Isn't that ironic that you could go, what we would say, two of the worst places in the world right now, come back to what we would say, the nicest place in the world, and be depressed because you left something over there. What did they leave? They left a mission bigger than them. They left a purpose bigger than their life. They left a, a community when you're, you're soldiers in a war together and you're fighting together. You get tight in a foxhole. And they missed it. And I wonder, guys, for us today, could we believe and could we dream that we could be a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we could be a part of not just a sweet church, but the army of God, that we could become such a, a tight-knit community as we go through the fire together, that it overrides everything else in our life. I think the cry and shame for most churches and too many of us Christians, guys, is that we're not on a mission. We're just here for ourselves and what we like and what we want. And Jesus says, no, no, no. There's something bigger than that for you. Just like I was sent by my Father, I'm sending you. Go out and share the gospel. That may be a gift we really need. And they want one more gift. And I, I think this may be the most important one we've unwrapped this morning. And this gift is, uh, is a comforter. And I, I love this one because I, I believe it's... It's this gift that enables all the other gifts to be special. And, and that's just a word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit. Listen to John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Jesus says, guys, if you read in context here, you guys are going to be a lot better off if I leave. And they're thinking, no way, Jesus. We want you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's going to be better because when I leave, then I can send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be a comforter. What a great word. Now, there's lots of different descriptions of the Holy Spirit, but that must be my favorite. Because how do you bring comfort to somebody? I hear a lot of people ask, what do you say to somebody when you visit their hospital room and they've got terminal cancer. What do you say to someone 
who's lost their loved one at the funeral, and we think, I've got to say something, I've got to say something. So often we say the wrong things. As part of a service this week, a lot of people coming up to a, a man who lost his, his wife, and everybody felt like they had to say something. And, and honestly, there were some things that were said that probably weren't the right thing said. And here's what I would want to say. What took me a long time to learn is the most important thing in those places is not what you say. Probably you should say very little. The most important thing is that you're there. Like our opening quotation, you can fake caring. You can't fake showing up. And that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you want comfort as you go through this challenging life, if you want peace as you go through this, if you want joy, let me give you my Holy Spirit so that you will never be alone. Sometimes, guys, we betray that we don't understand this because I, I pray this, maybe you do. Lord, be with so-and-so. Be with me as I do this. Be with me. No, no, no. You're already with me. Well, I'm asking you to be with me when you're already there. What I might need to say is, Lord, help me to recognize that you're there. Help me to tap your power because I know you're there. And that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. He's that comforter. He's that strength. Now, let me, let me read one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It's Luke chapter 11 where Jesus is talking about giving gifts. And I don't know if you ever called this before, but it's, it's a cool little analogy that Jesus plays out. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a steak instead? You know, if some of these kids up here asking for a PlayStation, any of you guys can give them a snake? Or Jesus says, or if he asks for an egg, don't hear anybody asking for eggs this Christmas, but would give him a scorpion. And then here's the line. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now catch that for a second. He said, you're a sinful, evil person, and yet you're smart enough to know you don't wipe a snake up or, or you don't wrap up something that's going to hurt somebody. You're smart enough to give good gifts. And he says, listen, the next line. How much more will your Father in heaven, catch it, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What's he saying? Guys, if you give good gifts, uh, Matthew just puts it this way. How much more will your Father in heaven give you a good gift? Luke defines the good gift, the best gift. The best gift is the Holy Spirit. And that's the best gift you can give. Let me say this to, to all of us parents this morning. The best gift you can give this Christmas is not the one under the tree. Did you notice the children on this stage could not even remember a Christmas gift they appreciated? And you and I know in two or three weeks, they'll be in the closet with all the rest of the stuff you give them. And they'll forget it. Because what they won't forget is they grow older and they go off. They won't forget the time you spent with them. They won't forget that you stayed in the backyard and you threw ball with them. They won't forget the trips you took together. They won't forget the conversations you had. They won't forget that you slowed down enough to be with them. That's what they'll get. And God says, I want to give you a lot of great gifts. But the greatest gift I can give of all is myself. You've got me. And let's say this. This comforter is, is the key to all the other gifts. Because peace and joy are a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives me power to live out my purpose. And so listen to him as he says, man, I brought you all these gifts. 
Now look at, look at, look at the list of gifts we talked about this morning. Peace and joy and purpose and the Holy Spirit. That's not an exhaustive list, but it's a good list of the departing gifts of Jesus. The ones he gives out right at the end. Now listen, they were all there in the first Christmas. They were all mentioned. The angel says, peace on earth. They sing, joy to the world. They explain Jesus' purpose. His name is Jesus. He's come to save his people. The Holy Spirit is evident when it says he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. They were all there on the first Christmas. Here's my question for you. Will they be there for you this Christmas? So here's our question. Have you unwrapped them? Have you unwrapped these gifts? You see, I, I, here's what I'm, I'm fearful of, friends, is that I think many of us, we, we, we sort of get the salvation thing. It's either lost or saved in heaven or hell. And, but that doesn't sum up the whole message, guys. That's very, very shallow. We, we get this, but, but maybe some of the others we've not really unwrapped. We're just trying to endure it. Let's say this Christmas that you're traveling to Virginia to some relative's house, and you love this relative. You don't get to see him very many Christmases, but you're going this Christmas. And so you've picked out the perfect present, and you've wrapped it up really nicely. And you drive all the way to Virginia to the family reunion, and you give them the gift, and they don't unwrap it. And you're thinking, hey, please. And they go, no, 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 no. And you go home and you call back a month later and say, did, I, mean, I really worked hard at this. Did you ever unwrap the gift? And they go, oh, no, it's just still in the closet. I don't plan on doing anything with it. Would you be offended? I think I would be. After time and effort and money and travel. And, and, and guys, I wonder if God might be a little offended with us after all the payment and the effort and the travel all the way to this earth to give us these gifts, and yet many of us as Christians live like we don't have these gifts. We live with a lack of peace. Our joy is no better than the world's. It's based on happenings. We're so diffused, we don't have a laser-like purpose. And many of us don't even understand the Holy Spirit at all. And I'm not telling you, I got the Holy Spirit down pat, but I'm telling you, the more I read the Bible, I want more of him. And yet we act like he's not there. So I'm asking you this morning, have you unwrapped him? I'm fearful many of us know we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. But something is missing. And here's the deal about Christmas. It magnifies it. If, if things are really rough in your life right now, Christmas will make it seem worse. If things are really wonderful in your life right now, Christmas will make it seem better. And so for many of us, it's magnified in this season. You know, we're singing about joy and peace. And that it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I think, shoot, I don't have any peace. And I, I don't have a lot of joy in my life. Purpose? I'm just trying to make it from paycheck to paycheck. That's about the best I can do. Holy Spirit, who's that? So I want to ask you this morning, we're going we're to handle the invitation very different this morning. It's going to be really, really easy. I'm going to ask you a moment, if, if, if some of these things, please go by that last slide if you don't mind. If some of those things are missing in your life and you hadn't unwrapped them, 
I just want you to stand. Because did you notice what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11? He says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? So we're just going to have a moment of honesty. You don't have to write anything down. You don't have to say anything up here. All you're going to have to do in just a moment is stand up, and then I'm going to pray for you. So this morning, if, if the truth is you're lacking peace and joy and purpose in the presence of God, it's just you don't, you're not sensing it, would you be willing to stand up right now? Just stand right now because I'm going to pray for you. Anybody, just stand. Because right now, this is a tough time of year for many of us. Anybody else need to stand before I start praying? Because we got a promise here that if we ask, He'll give it. Don't forget the most important gifts. Let's pray together. Oh God, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we ask you to give us these gifts. You said you would, Father. You said, your son said before he left this earth that we'd be better off if he left because he was going to leave these gifts behind. And this morning, Lord, many of you are standing because we, we're just, we don't have much peace. I confess in my own life, it's rather elusive. Or we don't have the joy that we ought to be having, Lord. Our joy is like the world's joy. When things are good, we're good. When things are bad, we're bad. Or many of us, we confess to you, Lord, that there's not a sense of purpose in our life. We're just going to church. We're not living on a mission. And God, we know this is all wrapped up in the gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And God, I don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit, but I do understand I want all of the Holy Spirit I can get. And so I pray right now for each person standing here that's saying to you and to this church, something's missing, God, that you would pour that Holy Spirit into each person right now. That before they leave here, God, that this next week with its crazy hectic schedule is going to be better. And God, we're not going to be so worried about getting everything on the table and everything on the tree as much as we're worried and concerned, God, that, that we're just in you. And, and that, that we receive our peace and joy, not because it all goes well or all of our relatives even behave well or we behave well, Lord, but because of this gift from you. So God, please give that to us right now. God, help us to leave these doors, not with peace and joy and purpose like the world gives, but peace and joy and purpose like Jesus gives through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in his name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you so much for being so open. We're about to um, take communion. And um, as you go to the communion tables, there's some halfway through the crowd, there's some in the back. When you go to the communion table this morning, I, I want you to think about these gifts we've talked about. I, I'd like you to think more than, wow, I'll just take the bread and the juice and that means I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I, I'd like you to contemplate as you eat that and as the, the juice goes down into you, the promises that God has given you from the inside out. That our joy and our peace is based on what's going on on the inside through the Holy Spirit. And so would you rejoice about that? And then after you've gone back there and you've contemplated, don't go back to your seat. 
We're, we're going to close this service in a very special way. I want you to circle this stage. And in other words, we, we, we'll start a line over here and go all the way around this stage. Just semicircle. Then a, a, another line right past that. And then when we get to the pews, I don't want you just to go down the aisle. I want you to circle around the pews. We had such an awesome time first service doing this. And just, 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 just keep circling around. And we're going to close this service just praising God for what he's done in our lives and celebrating the meaning of this season. It's going to be a beautiful time together. So let me pray. Go to the tables. Think about these awesome gifts. And then come up here and praise the great gift giver. Father, we thank you for the gifts you've given us. God, we know they are possible because Jesus came and died and was buried and was resurrected. And Lord, as we partake of these emblems that represent us, represent the incredible sacrifice he made for us, the incredible price he paid to give us these gifts. Father, forgive us if we've offended you by not unwrapping the gifts and help us today to unwrap the gifts. And God, before we even walk out these doors, help us to gather as a church family and celebrate what you've done. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.